0: Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Come on, sing it today. Yes, I am a child of God. Can you believe that? Oh, I'm no longer a slave. I am a child of God. As you're standing, I want to pray over you this morning, Father this morning, I break off the spirit of fear that may enter into any of these temples here today. These are children of God. They are adopted into the kingdom. No fear shall enter into their house, into their mind, body, soul, or spirit today. We break off fear, worry, anxiety, stress, and pressure that may be coming against each and every individual here today. And we remind you, devil, that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord, and that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We are not limited to time, place, or thing. All things are possible for those who believe. Touch your people today. Give them ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Now while we're standing, let's give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen, amen, you may be seated, take out your sermon notes, let's get right into the word today, frightened part two, have you lost your way, last week we talked about fear, and we're going to talk about it, we're going to pick up where we left off at today, one of the most powerful descriptions of fear is to take flight. Or to run from we talked about this last week a lot of times when fear comes up against us what do we want to do our first reaction is that we want to run from it instead of running to it David ran to the Goliath he didn't run from Goliath he ran to it and because he confronted his fear He was able to conquer his fear. And sometimes what happens is when fear approaches you, don't run from it. Run to it. You will never conquer that mountain if you never run to it. So you got to come and run to your mountain. If you have your notes, once again, fear is formed by what you hear. Amen. What you hear, see, think And even feel in your spirit how many know that's true a lot of times what we hear what we're hearing on CNN or Fox or whatever news channel you listen to and reading the newspapers and all what's going on in our world today it's putting fear worry and panic within our nation within our country and we're getting all restless because of what's happening in our society right now by what we even hear but also by what we see and even what we think, even a lot of times we can take a little bit of seed, a little bit of yeast works through a whole batch of dough. And a lot of times what happens in our lives, we think upon things, what a man thinketh in his heart, so he will be. And whatever you expound on is going to grow. So if you're thinking on the negative and fearful thoughts, guess what's going to consume you? It's going to consume you, dictate you, and drive you down a path in which you may not want to go. But how many have seen this, the when you see a police lights? What happens when you see police lights? You see, you hear, you think, and all of a sudden what happens? Fearful thoughts, what? Set in. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Whenever you see a police officer pull up behind you, what happens? You start getting nervous. You check and make sure you got your seatbelt on. You make sure your nose is clean so if he pulls up alongside you, you don't look crazy. But all of a sudden these fearful thoughts pull up and start going in your mind. Or if you see an ambulance, right, what happens? You get this fearful thought that, oh, something happened. Obviously, if you see a fire truck, when our kids were growing up, man, we were so poor. I kid you not, when we were going to college, we were so poor. I mean to tell you, I kid you not, we were so poor that we couldn't drink water. We had to wait for the tide to come in before we drank water. We didn't have water, right? Man, we were so poor that the rats were so big that the cats were carrying machine guns. That's how bad we were. We were bad situation. But we lived above a radio station. I'm not kidding. We lived above this radio station, and it was a rundown place, man. It was so bad that it even had a gas leak one night. That we had to evacuate. It was a bad, bad situation what we lived at. But uh, what happened was we were right across the street. And I think God's got a sense of humor. Because when we were growing up and we were having our kids, we lived right across the street from a fire station there in Minneapolis. Now, if you know anything about Minneapolis, it's is a big, big community, right? So that fire trucks always seemed like it was going on the hour every hour. And every time we put our kids to bed, what would happen? Woo! Next thing you know, ah, ah. I mean, I couldn't come. Compete with the fire department because my kids kept crying. It kept waking them up. But every time what happened was it assigned a a, a sign of alert. It would send a a, a fear like something's happening, something's taking place. And a lot of times in our lives, what we see and hear, it brings fear to us. But if you have to see this, two of the biggest fears of a baby are sounds and heights. Can I ask you a question? What's yours? Fear of sounds. Kids, when I said this in the first service, Stephen and Anya, they're back there and they all of a sudden, Stephen yelled out, Amen! Because they got a three month old little one and she just little, turned three months the other day. And every, Stephen said, every little sound she hears, she wakes up. And then heights. Have you ever taken a little baby and you got them in your arms and all of a sudden you kind of jerk like that? And what does the baby do? Right? They freak out. What about you? What are your fears? We know what a baby's are. But what are you? If you never identify your fears, your fear will always identify itself to you. And you have to take authority over that fear which keeps identifying itself to you. When you identify it, you have to run to it. I love this. Fear speaks louder, stronger, and forceful. How many you know it's true? To do what? To intimidate you. To intimidate means to paralyze you or to stop you or to make you start doubting or walk in fear. When Goliath roared, what did the people do? The Israelites, Paul and all his army would retreat because the roar of the giant intimidated them because like what? It made them feel like they were weaker, smaller, fragile, couldn't take on that giant. So they would retreat. But David didn't allow the roar to stop him or to intimidate him from taking on that fear or that giant. Let me ask you something. Is fear intimidating you? Is it stopping you from progressing and going forward into things maybe God has in your life? I love this. Faith, faith faith speaks hope. Whenever you're going through a hopeless time in your life, start grabbing hold of faith. God, I, I don't understand I don't make God know what's going on in my life. But that's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things unseen. But things hope for, Scott. So God, hope. But watch this. Peace. Peace that passes all understanding to give you peace in the midst of your storm that you're able to hear the voice of God clearly to make right decisions. So God, give me peace and avoid the noise. Right? But then it goes on, not only peace. But assurance. You ever think about that? The assurance. Everything that God does when he's in your battle, guess what? You're going to win in the end. God's never lost a battle, nor will he ever lose a battle. Now, you you can make go through the battle, but you don't have to lose the battle. You win the battle, Sue, by trusting and putting your faith in God. So he gives me the assurance that I got this. Everything is going to be okay. But I love this part. Watch this. It Assurance to do what? To illuminate Means make visible or make known or make clear. So watch this. To illuminate truth. Now you and I know that truth sets you free. Truth is truth. When you go before a judge, they say, Do what? Have you raised your hand? Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth? So help me God. Because truth sets you free from any lies, any snares, any fears in your life. But what he says, truth illuminates truth. But when he illuminates or makes visible or known, guess what he says about you? He makes he illuminates truth about you. So what does that mean illuminates truth about me? So when the enemy comes in and tries to tell you you're a loser, you're no good, you never make it, you're doomed, you're going under, guess what? That's not the truth of what God says about you. So God illuminates the truth and makes it visible to you. So wait a minute, that's not true. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are awesome in my sight. But watch this, about you and your future. He makes known or illuminates your future. I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but plans to give you hope for your future. So truth or faith illuminates or makes your path straight. That's why I said, I'm a lamp unto your feet or in a light to your path. I make your path illuminate or bright so you can walk down. What does light do? It exposes the darkness. What does faith do? It exposes darkness, which is lies that the enemy wants the Robin to say about you. So now watch this. Check this out. Fear, was us. this, says, or faith, faith says you can't. Faith says you can't. You know the Word of God, it doesn't say anywhere in the Word of God that you can't, Tamara. It's all you can. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus our Lord. Faith says you can. You can do all things through Christ, not in your own ability or strength, but with Christ. the, The Lord, Jesus, is the master key to all your locks, all the things of your life. He makes things open for you. Faith says you can. But look what fear says. Fear says you can't. Fear will tell you, you're not going to make it, you can't do this, you're not good enough, you're not qualified, you're doomed, you're going under, who do you think you are? That's what f- fear says about you. How many of you have gone through that right now in your life, that fear is speaking loud in your ears and intimidating you and saying you can't? You're never going to make it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I love these verses of Scripture. And he goes on to say this, and Paul saying to the church of Corinth, there he says this: For though we live in the world, you know the Bible says we are part of the world, but we don't have to. Be, we don't have to do the things of the world. We're, we live in the world, but we don't have to take part in the world. We don't have to do the same things. The Bible said also says in 2 Corinthians chapter six to come out from among them and touch no unclean things, and I shall receive you. You know, we live in this world, but we don't have to participate as the world does, right? We're different. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 14, too, that you are peculiar. You're different. You're not of the world. You don't do the same thing as the world. You are the light to the world that the lost will come to the light that you have in you. That's how the, the lost world will come to know Jesus, through the light that's in you. But if you put that light out. You all of a sudden become the same as the world. And how is the world going to change if we put our light out? But if we let our light shine before men that they may see the good works of Christ in you, that world, that lost world is going to come to what you want. Because what they want is Christ. Amen? Now watch this. He says, we do not wage war as the world does. In other words, with guns and cannons takes tanks. But watch this. Verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they are divine power to demolish. Now, you got to get this. Demolish strongholds. In other words, destroy, obviate strongholds in your life. Strongholds are anything that control you or strongholds is something that has a place to stand in your life that you're given access to, that has a place to stand in your life that you are allowing to grow and dictate you. That's a stronghold. Now, watch this. He says, we demolish arguments, get that now, arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What is pretension? Pretension means every false premise, every false lie, every false deception that the enemy wants to bring to you, deception, and all these things. That's a pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And what is the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God is that God will never leave you nor forsake you. God loves you just as you are, that God is on your side. These are the knowledges of God that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's God's knowledge about who you are. But the enemy always wants to come and do things against the knowledge of God and the things that you know is true. So he goes on to say, watch this. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, God, I'm not going to allow these pretensions, these arguments in my mind to drift me away from the truth or from God. So if you have your notes, I want you to follow with me. What are some of the weapons of choice? When you say weapons, weapons, what are, number one is this. The weapons of choice is what? Truth. Why truth? Because truth sets you free. You know what lies do? They bind you. How many of you ever had a lie before? And you lied and then sometimes you lie so much that you forgot your lie and eventually you get caught in that lie. Your sins will find you out. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you lied to this person. Now you're going to tell this person something else. And so you forgot what you told that person, what you told that person. Now you're like, what do I say now? Lies will entangle you. They will trap you. They will confine you. And they will make you walk in fear about, wait a minute, what did I say to him? What did I say to her? And you're going to start walking in fear. But truth sets you free. It sets you free from the lies that the enemy wants to speak to you, John eight forty four. He's a father of lies. He doesn't hold to the truth. Another one is this. Truth defeats the devil. If you want to defeat the devil and his onslaughts, his attacks, how do you defeat the devil? By truth. It is written. God's word doesn't say that about me. So, shoe fly, don't you bother me. I'm not going to accept that into my my temple, into my life. You are the gatekeeper. Now, get this. You are the gatekeeper of what you let in and what you let out of your life. So, if you're going to accept that and let that in, you're going to believe that lie, guess what? You accepted it, because God has given you the authority and given you to be the gatekeeper of what you're letting in your ears and in your mind and your spirit. You're the gatekeeper of what you're letting in. And then he goes another one. is this. Truth guides your steps. Like, man, God, you're going to guide my steps. The truth, you are the way, John fourteen six. You are the way, the truth in the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. That God, it's in you that I find truth. It's in you that I find my path. It's in you, God, that you are going to guide and lead me down the path of righteousness for your namesake. Another one is this truth makes known the good about you, it makes known the good about you. The opposite of truth is a lie. And truth makes known to you that when the enemy tries to come in and tell you you're going down, you're never going to make it, you're doomed, guess what? That's the opposite of truth. That's not God speaking. God says you can't. So whenever you're faced with that, those words that try to enter into your mind, that try to intimidate you, that try to stop you, that try to come against you, try to paralyze you, try to put you in park, you need to speak to that truth and say that's not what my God says. That's not what my God says. My God says that I'm more than a conqueror. My God says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My God says that I'm a royal priesthood belonging to God. That's what you need to remind the enemy of, that you are a royal priesthood belonging to God. Remind the enemy. He loves to remind you, right? I say, I find this. Fear steals your future. It'll steal your future. It'll it'll put you in park. That'll make you want to stay still and not go forward. It'll intimidate you and make you want to paralyze yourself. And it'll steal your future. And many of you lost promotions. You lost success things in your life because you are fearful to take the next step. You have to put one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking out the door. But what happens is fear paralyzes you and it steals your future. Another one is this: fear robs your joy. It robs your joy. You know what it does? How many of you know you could be having something great happen? And all of a sudden, something great happens. All of a sudden, then a tragic happens. And what happens right when that tragic happens? All of a sudden, that joy that you had one second now is dissipated. It's evaporated because fear consumed and sucked the air out and took that joy out of your life. That's what fear will do. It will steal joy out of your life. Also this, fear... Makes you doubt God's promises. When you're walking in fear, guess what? the first thing that happens? God, if you really love me, why am I going through this? God, if you really love me, why has this happened to my family? And we start questioning and we start doubting and all of a sudden fear starts creeping in. And how many of you know that when the devil speaks, he brings a peanut gallery with him? And he starts speaking a lot of different lies. And you know what he does? He doesn't fight fair. Remember, he comes with 90% lies and 10% truth. And here's how the enemy does it. Here's how he gets you, Gail. Here's how he gets you. He'll come at you with one thing. And he'll say, hey, you're no good. And if you don't bite on that, guess what he's going to do? He's going to come at you with another attack. Man, you're going down. And if you don't bite at that, he's going to say, man, something's going to happen to your kids. He'll keep attacking you with a different bait till you finally bite. And every time he comes at you with a different bait, you need to gauge it and you need to monitor it. Does that line up with God's word, the truth? Because if it doesn't, you're not going to bind me up. I'm going to be free indeed by the truth that God says about me, my family, my job, my position, my life. Truth. Does it line up to Truth. Amen? And you got to ask yourself that. A stronghold magnifies the promise and minimizes God's ability to solve it. How many know that's so true? You take an anthill and you turn it into a mountain. Like I said last week, you have a commercial and you make it into a motion picture and you become the director of it. You take it and you minimize God's ability to solve it. But we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, about verse 5, that you demolish the arguments in your life. Have you ever had arguments? Arguments in your life. Where's the battlefield that really is? Right here. The battlefield of the mind is where the enemy really loves to attack. I always say that a thought is a seed. A seed turns into a tree. A tree turns into a what? It's fruit. And you will eat the fruit thereof. So every time the enemy bombards your mind, he bombards you with different thoughts. And usually his thoughts are lies, fearful tactics to get you off first base. Now watch this. How many have these arguments? What arguments do you need to demolish? Number one, do you need to demolish the arguments that you're not good enough? One of the great things that enemy loves to do, he loves the whittle. Now you've got to get this. He loves the whittle at your self-esteem. Carol, he loves to come at your self-esteem, your self-worth, your value in your life. He likes to come at that. He wants to attack that. You're not good enough. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's where he loves to attack you. He'll attack you first and make your self-esteem feel so bad that you're not worthy. You're not good enough. You're not qualified till eventually you take the, the second fiddle seat. And you're not you're supposed to be in the A seat in the orchestra or the band, but you took in the D seat because you settled and you believe the lie when you're supposed to be in the A seat. And you come at you, you're not good enough. Another one is this. You can never do that. How many have ever believed that lie before? The argument that, man, you're not good enough. You're like in the tug of war, and you're being pulled on both sides. Of the Bible says so the spirit and the flesh wage war with one another so that you don't do what you're supposed to do. And you're in this tug of war in your life and you feel like, I can't do it. And because you felt that and you believed that and it got in your spirit, you quit and you gave up. Another one is this it will never happen. I hear people all the time say to me, It will never happen. Can I ask you a question? When we come to church, we come, number one, to celebrate the resurrected Savior. I don't know about you, but I, I love the worship. Didn't Andrew and them knock it out of the park today? Man, it was awesome. I loved I'm no longer a slave to fear. But we come to celebrate, number one, the resurrected Savior, to give him honor, glory that's due unto him. But the second thing we come to do, the Bible says, to cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. So we come, we give him honor, we get his ear, we get his attention, Then we come and we cast our cares upon him, meaning that you transfer your battles into the hands of the Lord. And if you know that your God has got you and he's got all the battles under control, then our responsibility is not to pick them back up again. And what happens is this. We have a lot of Christians that have a lot of dwarf promises in their life. And here's why. Because... You say it will never happen. And what happens is you come and you celebrate the resurrected Savior, you cast all your cares upon the Lord, you feel good, you feel energetic, you feel confident. And then you walk out these doors and say, I'll believe it when I see it. This is not Missouri, show me state. What happens is when you do that, every time when you start doubting God's promise, the seed that you just sown, the seed that you just given to God, you're uprooting it. And when you uproot it, you and I know that every seed that you take out of the ground is going to die. It's not going to grow. It's not going to be able to have a root foundation to produce fruit. And so many times what happens is when you walk away, you say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. And you uproot that which God wants to do in your life. Watch this one. Nothing good ever happens for me. How many of you ever said that before? You know one of the biggest tactics that the enemy loves to do is get you jealous, make you jealous of your neighbors to be like the Joneses? Nothing ever good happens to me. You call those things as though they were. You asked for it. You got it. Toyota. Nothing ever good happens for me. Another one is this. You're not loved and nobody cares. I'm going to tell you, when I'm in counseling sessions, counseling is 90% listening and 10% interjecting. And when I'm in counseling sessions, I kid you not, probably 95% of the times that when I'm in counseling session, this one is brought up. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. And you know why that is? It's because maybe you've gone through a tragic divorce. Because you went through a tragic divorce, him or her left you, and whatever the story may be, you feel that you're not good enough. Nobody cares. They wrote me off. Nobody loves me. I'm the fifth wheel now. I used to have my partner, and we used to do things with couples, and now nobody cares. How I many you relate to what I'm saying. And you start saying, nobody cares. And the more you feel that way, guess what you start to do? You start to recluse. You pull away. And you start isolating yourself. And how many of you know that there's strength in numbers? The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of the brothers. There's a reason that the Lord says that, because there's strength in numbers. But when you don't feel like you're loved and that you don't care and you're not cared about, you start pulling away. And when the enemy comes in, the Bible says he comes in like a flood, and he loves to bombard those that are weak and frail and start doubting themselves, have low self-esteem. He pounces on you. Nobody cares. Is that you? Another one is you can't believe that. An argument in your mind is I can't believe that. God, if if this was so, then why did that happen? I can't believe that. Lord, you show me first and then I'll believe you. That's not faith. Faith is a substance of things unseen but things hoped for. Faith walks out even the things that you don't see. In the fear of the unknown, I'm going to walk out in faith because why? God, you said so. And because you said so, God, I'm going to walk it out. That's what faith is. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews 11, 6. God, if you want to please God and you want to make God happy with you, you start walking in faith. God, I don't understand. It's tough, Lord. Things are going on in my life right now. But, God, I'm going to hold on with all my might. I'm going to white knuckle it, God, until I get my breakthrough in my life. I'm not going to crumble under that. You see, the more you listen to those arguments, guess what? It will weaken your faith and place you in fear. Whoa. How many you know what I'm talking about? The more you listen to those arguments, it will start making you doubt. I always say, Amy, when in doubt, when in doubt, push it out. All of a sudden, doubt Donnie will start coming in. Are you really supposed to be a pastor? Are you really supposed to do this? Are you really supposed to do that? Man, Donnie, you're afraid to speak in front of people. Donnie, are you really supposed to do that? It'll start whittling at your faith. And you know what? The enemy doesn't take the whole glob right off the bat. What he does, Rick, he's like a mouse with cheese. Takes a little bit at a time. And the reason why he does that is subtle. Isn't that exactly what happened to Samson? He was subtle. till finally one day he woke up and he was powerless. It's subtle in your life that he comes and he steals here, a little bit there. He'll take from you. You see, listen, I love this. The word stronghold means to fortify, build up, and reinforce. That's what a stronghold does. If you're like anything like me, I can't hear out my left my left ear. And we had a new couple here today. Her name was Brent and his name was Brett. And I couldn't get their names. And she was talking on my left side of my ear. And I couldn't hear. So I had to ask her four times, what's your name again? She looked at me like, you crazy? No, I just can't hear you. But how many of you know that when a husband and wife, the wife, the wife could be in the bedroom and the man could be in the kitchen and you're trying to talk to each other? How many you know what I'm talking about? Hey! Did you take out the laundry? Then you come together in the kitchen. Honey, did you take out the laundry? What are you talking about? Because they didn't hear. All of a sudden, what does that do? The miscommunication sets into an argument. They thought you said this and they said that. And before you know it, because of the miscommunication, the assumption of what you thought you heard, but a lack of communication and breakdown between the two of you. You know what fortified means? It means building a wall. Now get this. It means building a wall of separation between you and your God. That when God tries to speak, you can't hear because that stronghold built such a wall, such a prison, such a sound barrier between you and your God. And that's what strongholds will do. In Romans chapter 8, and I got a quick, Romans chapter 8, watch this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I know pretty much all of you here today, and you could say this, I can say this with confidence, that you are children of God. I can say that with confidence. I love your spirit, man. I tell you, Zach's girlfriend's sister from Webster. You a tiger? Is that what it is, tigers? Hey, I was an angel when I was in school. Angel, angels, but I wasn't, trust me. I had horns, I just couldn't see it, amen? But check this out. Watch this. So, watch this. Since you, Tamara, are children of God, watch this. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Did you get that? Rick, did you get that? Does not make you slaves. To what? So that you live in fear again. I'm no longer a slave to fear. For I am a child of God. You get that, Renee? So that you don't live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought you about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, if you're anything like Cheryl and I, we used to have foster kids in our home. And we had two little Hispanic boys, Eddie and Marco. And you know what's crazy about it? Man, we had I don't know how many kids in our home having foster kids. We wanted to adopt, but that never worked out. But I remember when we took Marco and Eddie into our home and this little girls in our home, and we took all those kids into our home. Guess what? We didn't look at them as foster kids. We looked at them, Deb, as Eddie and Marco, as our own kids. And we treated them just like our own kids. They didn't go without. They got to do the same rides and go to Six Flags and all the other things that we did. We didn't leave them home. That's what adoption means, Becky, with Christ. When he adopts you, you receive the fullness that he has for you. He doesn't say, Mary, I'm going to do this for you and I'm not going to do this for you. He does it for all of us the same. In verse 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know what he means by that? I'm going to close with this. i got more, but i got to turn it over. Watch this. What he means is that every time, you got to get this. Man, I told you, I was at Grantsburg football game, and it was fun hearing Jeff and Rhonda and all the rest and Amy. But when Jeff was roaring like, good job, team. It was so funny. There were some kids behind, in front of us. Remember this, Jeff? There were some kids behind us because Jeff has got the roar. These kids turned around. They got the fire scared out of them. Man, he was cheering his kids on. Man, he was like, good job. And the crowd was going crazy every time he scored 52 to 6. And they gave him six points. The point is, listen, the Spirit himself testifies. Now watch this. Do you know that, Gail, every time when you say, I'm a child of God, do you know that every time that you say that you're special in God's eyes, do you know that, Mary, that man, when you say that, man, God loves me, guess what God's doing? He's in your corner. Yeah, you are. He's testifying with you. Yeah, he's cheering you on. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. You know what he's saying? Hey, Stephanie, you got it. I bear witness with that. You are special. Amy, you are special. I love hanging around with you. You are a party always waiting to happen. I'll tell you, Amy's crazy in the June bug. You get her and Gina together, man, it's like the two stooges, and Matt's the left out one. I don't know how you keep up with it, Matt. I just don't know. That girl, man, she puts a groove on, she's gone. But you know what happens? God testifies with you. But watch this as we close. Watch this whenever you put yourself down and whenever you say you're a loser, guess what God does? He goes in the corner and he becomes silent. Because he can't bear witness with you because that's not Tamara, what he says about you. Bill, that's not what he says about you. So you know what he does in the corner? Sue, the Bible says He's making intercession for you. Have you ever thought about Harlan, what the intercession is? Oh, God, may Harlan come to his senses that he is special, that he is wonderful, that he is loved, that he'll shut that argument off. So when you bear witness with God, he's champion with you. He's saying, Mindy, you are awesome. You are successful. You are great. You and Kevin are great. Man, that's what he says. But when you start cutting yourself down, God has to eliminate from the equation because that's not what he says. But let me pray over you. Father, thank you for this wonderful congregation. Bless them as they have blessed myself and Cheryl and the rest of the staff. We thank you for this offering that's able to help us in our situations. Lord, we thank you and we ask that you bless each giver. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you give today. Otherwise, after that, you're dismissed. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your being here today. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.